Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It looks to be the end of the world. Plagues and pestilence, wars and rumors of wars, fear and foreboding, dogs and cats lying together. Okay, maybe not that last one. But terrors, terrors of biblical proportions, you might say. It looks to be the end of the world. This is how Jesus, in today's gospel, describes the events, the coming events, of the destruction of Jerusalem and of the temple in Jerusalem. The gospel reading that we heard this morning is Jesus giving his prophecy of what would happen and what did, in fact, happen in the year 70 A.D. Jerusalem, this walled, beautiful city, the habitation of God, the temple, which, as the disciples are looking at it, they are admiring the stones of it, how strong, how sturdy, and yet, Jesus says, within a generation or two, all of it is going to be cast down. And so it was. In the year 70 AD, the city was razed to the ground. All that was left of the temple was the west wall, a piece of the west wall, which is still there to this day. It has not been rebuilt. Nearly one million people died as a result of the destruction of Jerusalem. Another 100,000 were led away into captivity. Make no mistake, it looked to be the end of the world. And that might be interesting, historically, Certainly, it tells us a thing or two about our Lord Jesus, reinforces the fact that, yes, he is the divine son of God. He has that that ability to prophesy and to predict what is yet to come. But for all of that, what does it have to speak to us today as followers of Jesus? What does this prediction, this prophecy of the destruction of Jerusalem and the events that would come along with it, how does that inform our faith still today? Well, I really think it does. And the way that Jesus tells it He intends for it to be a kind of preview of the end. That what happened to Jerusalem in 70 AD is a kind of anticipation, a foreshadowing of what is yet to come to the entire world. And so it's instructive for us as followers of Jesus as we are facing an uncertain future, as we are awaiting and anticipating the coming of King Jesus, we can learn from the events of 70 AD and the warnings that Jesus gives there so that we might know what is yet to come, but more importantly, who we need to be. That's what I want to focus on this morning. Not what are all the events of the end times, certainly not when it's going to happen, which Jesus is very clear, none of us are able to predict. But more importantly, who do you and I need to be as we face this uncertain future? Who do we as the church need to be? What character traits and virtues do we need to inculcate and inhabit if we are going to face the future faithfully? That's what I want to take up. So we're going to walk through the text with that in mind. If you want to to pull out your worship folder, your Bible, we're just kind of going to make our way through this long gospel reading from our Lord. So we see who do you and I need to be? What are the virtues that we need to possess as we face the future? and await the coming of Christ. First of all, who do we need to be? We need to be discerning people. Discerning people. Jesus says that there's going to be all sorts of folks, persuasive people who are going to come along and are going to claim, I am he, in those same words that Jesus uses, describing himself as the Messiah, the I am. 
The Lord warns that in the run-up to 70 AD, there are going to be false messiahs, false prophets that are coming. And in fact, there were countless myriads of these men that came and said, I am the Messiah. And one by one, they were taken out and taken down and by no means came back from the dead. Jesus says, look out for all of those persuasive people as well as all of the, the political turmoil and unrest that's going to come along with it. All of these things are going to, to clamor for your attention and cause you to think this is the end, but the end is not yet, Jesus says. And so who do you and I need to be? We need to be discerning. Now, discerning. What is discernment? Discernment is that kind of perception by which you and I are able to sift truth from error. Even more basically, stuff that matters from stuff that just doesn't matter. Discernment is kind of like a, a spiritual metal detector, okay? So you've got your metal detector, you're down on the beach, you're going along, beep, 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 right? That's a kind of discernment that the metal detector does for you. It discerns that here's something worth paying attention to, right? This is where you want to dig down. Likewise, the, the discernment that we exercise as followers of Jesus, as we look out into the world, we see, okay, now what's true? What fits with God's word? And, and what's false? What's leading me astray? What's causing me to take my eye off the ball? And what's keeping me fixed on Christ? <coughs> Look, I think it's very clear why this is so necessary in our day and age. I mean, we have practically professional, persuasive people who are constantly clamoring for our attention. We call it advertising, right? There's all sorts of, of folks and events happening in the world, circumstances that would cause us to, to direct and divert our attention from Christ and his coming kingdom, from his word. It doesn't mean that we should just hide under a rock and pretend like things that are happening in the world don't matter, that we shouldn't read the news or be up on current affairs, etc., etc. But it does mean that we always keep all of those things in proper perspective, right? We recognize that the Lord, His promises, and His word, that that's uppermost. But to do that, to understand that, who do we need to be? We need to be discerning. We need to keep that spiritual metal detector out. Beep, 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 seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But Jesus goes on. He doesn't stop there. And with this next section, the next paragraph, starting with verse 10, it becomes clear who do we need to be? We need to be enduring people. We need to be enduring people. The Lord lays it out. He doesn't pull back any punches. He says, look, what's going to happen to you guys? You're going to be persecuted. Many of you, if not most of you, are going to be killed. We know this historically, that by the time the destruction of Jerusalem came, most of the apostles had already surrendered their lives for the sake of the faith. Not to mention countless other Christians whose names are unknown to us, who had laid down their lives confessing Christ. Jesus says, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be dragged before kings and rulers in order to confess my name. It's going to be hard. It's going to be bleak. And we're like, thanks for the pep talk, Jesus. This was great. Right? <laughs> You know, I observe this many times in the Gospels. Jesus is not about giving fake pep talks, is he? He's not interested in saying, oh, guys, really, it's not going to be that bad. Don't worry. But how does that help our endurance? He says, by your, your endurance, you'll gain your lives. How does this help our endurance when Jesus just gives us this straight talk? I think back a few years ago, it was, well, it was the new year. And so like any fool on the new year, I thought I got to get into shape, right? 
And so I'm just going to make little tweaks to my diet. I'm just going to do a little more exercise. No, I'm going to start watching a video called Insanity. Any of you guys know Insanity? Sean T. You're like, yep, I've also had New Year's resolutions. Sean T., who's going to bark at you for 45 minutes each day for two months and whip you into shape. Insanity is right. But I remember on the first video, he lays it all out. He tells you straight away. He's like, guys, you're going to be puking on the floor. This is going to be horrible. You are going to be exhausted. You're going to want to quit time after time after time. And once again, I listen to Sean T. I'm like, thanks for the pep talk, Sean T. But it helped. And why did it help? It steeled me for what was yet to come. I had no false expectations about the hard road that was ahead, but he laid it all out there. How much more is Jesus doing that for us here? He did it for the first disciples and he still does it for you and me. He says, listen, when you are following in the way of faith, it's going to be difficult. There's no two ways about it, guys. He makes no promises of snowflakes and kittens, today's weather notwithstanding. We know that it is going to be a hard road to hoe. But there's also these comforting promises that he gives. That despite all of that, there's going to be opportunities for you to witness. You're like, oh, I don't know if I can witness. Jesus is like, I've got that taken care of. I'm going to give you a mouth. Don't worry about it. I'll give you the words to speak. And not only that, he says, even though some of you will die for your faith, not a hair of your head will perish. Well, how does that work? Because Jesus is telling us, you don't need to be afraid of people who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Not a hair of your eternal head is going to perish. And so we endure. And you know what? To endure is kind of an unheroic calling. He's not calling us to be victorious. He has the victory already. He's just calling you and me to stick with it. Hang in there. To be like Rocky Balboa and just want to go the distance, right? That's all he's calling us to. So we need to be people who endure, people who discern, people who endure, and next, people who are prudent, people who are prudent. So look at that next paragraph, the next section. I think it starts with verse 19, maybe. Uh, Jesus speaks to the disciples, and he says, look, guys, you're going to see Jerusalem encircled about, and in fact, this all happened. The Roman armies came around. They built a, a barricades around the city so that those who were still in the city in 70 AD were not able to escape. There was so much infighting within the people. They lit fire to their own grain reserves. There was this in, inward divisiveness so that these famines started. The people basically devoured themselves. And Jesus says, listen, when you see these things happening, flee, flee to the mountains, get out of the city. And I find it kind of interesting because there's that old saying about heading for the hills, right? Uh, it's really a paraphrase of what Jesus says here. When people talk about heading for the hills, that's almost always a negative thing. Well, as Christians, we know we're not going to just head for the hills, right? We're going to hunker down. We're just going to stick with it. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. But when we talk about heading for the hills, it was Jesus' idea first. He's the one who says, flee to the mountains, get out. Is he calling us to be fearful? Or to run away from the, the challenges that face us. No, he's calling you and me to be prudent. To be prudent. And there's a difference, see? He's not saying, okay, well, now you just need to live in some holy huddle, some godly ghetto, okay? That's not the point. It's that you need not be foolish and reckless with your lives and with your faith. 
When you are standing fast in faith and you see the tidal waves coming at you, the point is not that you just stay there and get washed away with the rest of the world. Be smart, Jesus is saying, as he tells us elsewhere. Be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. This kind of prudence is just that sanctified shrewdness that recognizes the challenges in the world and does not take them for granted. Remember that Satan on this earth has no foe who is his equal, save for Christ alone. Don't think that you and I are able to just duel with the devil, that we are able to withstand the world in our own resources. Jesus says we need to be prudent. Now, there's a tension here because at the same time, wherever and whenever you and I live, we are called at the same time still to be salt and light, right? Wherever you are, in your vocation, in the places where God has put us, we're called to be salt and light. So it's not as though we just run away from the world and try to to live some cloistered, sequestered existence. But in the midst of all of that, he does call you and me to be prudent, to hold fast in faith, to recognize the signs of the times, and to cling to him above all else. But for all of this, if you have discernment, if you have endurance, if you have prudence, you still lack one thing. You still lack one thing, and without that one thing, I think ultimately you're going to become cynical, skeptical. When you see the darkness of the world, your faith might even fail. You need one more thing. And when I think about that one thing, I go back in my mind to one of my favorite all-time movies, Shawshank Redemption. And if you know this movie, if you don't know it, you should. But even, even if you don't, it tells the story of Andy Dufresne. Andy Dufresne is this man who loses everything. He is unjustly convicted. He ends up being sent away to prison. He loses his family. He loses his livelihood. He loses years, decades off of his life as he is imprisoned. He loses everything except for one thing. And in the the climax of the movie, we see that one thing animated because now Andy finally has an opportunity to escape. And in order to escape, he has to to rummage his way out. After he has gone through all of this other stuff, he has to go through this one last awful indignity. He crawls down these pipes, and he finally breaks open a sewage pipe and climbs into a sewage pipe. You know what's in the sewage pipe, right? Okay, we're not going to dwell on it here. (laughs) He gets into this little sewage pipe, and he has to army crawl just slowly. Oh, step by agonizing step or even just crawl by agonizing crawl for 500 yards like a quarter of a mile through all of that foul smelling until finally he comes out clean on the other side and then the movie tells us what was it that drove him What was that one thing that kept him going amidst all of those indignities that he endured, amidst all of the struggles, all of the losses that he had? What's the one thing that he did not lose? Hope. Hope is a good thing, he says. Maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. We can have all of those other character traits, but if you and I lack hope, we're not going to be able to stick it out. Jesus is telling us, essentially, that we're going to be going through some junk in the future. It's going to get smelly. It's going to get difficult. There's going to be every reason for you and I to give up. 
It is going to get darker and darker, and it will look to be the end. But remember what's often said, that it is darkest right before when? The dawn. It's darkest right before the dawn. And so Jesus says, don't droop your shoulders, but straighten your backs. Don't hang your heads, but raise your eyes to heaven and see that the son of righteousness is risen and he comes. See that your redemption is drawing near. We have that promise, and therefore we have hope. Who are we to be? Who are we to be in the face of things that look like the end? And maybe they are. Who are we to be? We are to be people of discernment, who are discerning right from wrong, truth from error, what matters and what doesn't. We keep that spiritual metal detector to the ground and seek first God's kingdom. Who are we to be? We're to be people who endure, who endure, who hold fast, who have that kind of spiritual stick to right? Who cling to Christ and who just try to make it to the end. Who are we to be? We are to be prudent people with that sanctified shrewdness, looking at the, the tidal wave of the world and recognizing when we need to act, but in all things still holding out the word of life. Yet above and beyond all of that, who are we to be? We are people of hope. We are people of hope because in Jesus, in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection, you and I already have a preview of the end, and it is good. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.